Well, good morning. Man, it's good to see you this morning. I am pumped. Are you pumped? I, I, am, truly, I am truly excited this morning uh, to be with my church family. And, and if I don't know you this morning, I want to introduce myself. My, my name is Colby Mache, and I have the delightful privilege of pastoring here at ABC. And I have the delightful privilege of standing before you today uh, to impart or to bring to you God's word on this first Sunday of Advent. I wanted to, you know, I, I think we've done a good job already, but I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page of why we celebrate Advent. And so I'll, I'll begin just by, uh, by saying this, for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. And for me and my family, we will not decorate for Christmas until the day after Thanksgiving, okay? That's how, that's how we're gonna roll. And, and I, I know there's somebody, somebody in here, okay, who you were already decorated and ready and you started preparing for Christmas, like right there, like the beginning of November. There is somebody in this room who probably was decorated in October. Uh, and if you're here, I'm glad you're here. Jesus loves you, okay? I love you. Just don't tell me you did that, okay? Like, I, I won't judge you, but, but, but still, my goodness. But for uh, me and my house, we, we begin, we got the green light to do all things Christmas starting after Thanksgiving. And so, so for us, this Friday, it began like it usually does. And we went and we got ourselves a tree. We went to a tree farm. We ended up at Lowe's. Don't you dare judge us. Uh, but we came away on top of the the minivan that we called the Dark Knight. We we drove we drove out of Lowe's parking lot with Frank the Fraser Fur. Okay, and so so we we left with Frank, and Frank is now decorated in our house. We name our trees. Okay, and and that's that's just what we do. And so we began to decorate and prepare our home for Christmas. And I just want you to know, I love this season. I love the Christmas season. I love the Christmas season for many reasons. And so I wanna make sure that we distinguish the difference in just the big Christmas season and the Advent season. And so just to do that for you, for me, there's a lot of things that I enjoy about Christmas. I enjoy a lot of things that are about cultural, uh, not cultural Christianity, cultural Christmas. I really do. I enjoy that like now it seems like I have the freedom to watch more movies. Okay, like we can do that. I don't have cable at this moment, so we don't have the Hallmark channel. But if I figure out how to get an app for it, you know, and watch it and stream, I might even watch a Hallmark movie because we'll just make time to do such a thing. I, I am, uh, have the green light to listen to, I feel like the music that you've been wanting to listen to all year. Uh, we get to eat the holiday foods. We get to, it seems like, get to see people more during this time of year. And so friends and family, uh, we, we get to, my goodness, what we get to buy gifts for those that we love. That's, that's one of my favorite parts of the Christmas season. And maybe it's just being a, a dad at this stage of the life that I'm in with, with four kids that are under 10 at home. It, it really is fun to get to plan out what we're gonna surprise them with and bless them with. It's a wonderful part of Christmas. I love that my kids are off more during this season. And so it, that's a gift to us, you know, that they're out of school more. We love them being at home. There's a lot of things that we love about the Christmas season. But there's also people in this room that, that right now, the Christmas season, it isn't attractive to you. It isn't encouraging to you. It isn't something that you're looking forward to. And I understand that to an extent. We, 
We just had two, uh, two weeks ago tomorrow, uh, Catherine's sweet mamaw passed away. And, and her grandmother was really one of the most incredible people I've ever known in my life. And for us, really every holiday thing that we do and really just any big event period would go through mamaw's house. And so for us, there's certainly a, this is a different kind of Christmas season. It, it just, it, it feels different. It was certainly a different kind of Thanksgiving, though she had prepared already our Thanksgiving meal and had it in the freezer, okay? So we still ate at her house and ate the food that she prepared for us, which was so special. But this is a different kind of season for us. And, and there's certainly some sorrow and some grieving that's blended in to the happiness. And there's a lot of you that understand that very well. There's also some of you who, when I talk about togetherness and I, and I talk about really the happiness of being with family and friends, that may be something that instead brings great anxiety uh, to you and to your life. And maybe instead of what should have been happy or what could have been happy was hurtful to you. And maybe this is a season that instead of it being exciting and fun and special, it's, it's just as hard. Okay, and so it's for that very reason, for all of the greatest of things and for all of the most difficult of reasons that we not only want to talk about the Christmas season, but we at Alberta Baptist join with all of the church around the world with Christians all across the globe to celebrate Advent. And here is why, because Christmas, and if you wanna write this down, write it down, because Christmas is about many things. It, it doesn't matter who you are. Our culture tells you that, but so does your home. Christmas is about many things, but Advent is about Jesus. Christmas is about many things and many wonderful things, but Advent is about Jesus. It's about who he is. It's about what he's done. It's about what he's still to do. And what that means for us, his people in waiting. The Advent season is about hope in Christ and about good news and about the glory of God. Advent is about remembering and in honor of Keith Pugh, it's about remembering because we are what? We're monumental forgetters. Advent is about reflecting because we are too busy to slow down. And Advent is about building expectant longing in our hearts and lives as we wait for Christ. Advent, as we said earlier, it means coming or it means to come. And so we certainly, we look back when we're uh, in, in the season of Advent to, when, to the first Advent when Christ came. In fact, this Christmas season or this Advent season, we're gonna be studying John chapter one and, and really the, the focal verse will be the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. Looking at the first Advent when Christ came, when God became a human. And secondly, we look forward to the second Advent when Christ will come again to make all things new and to bring restoration to our beautiful but broken world. <clears throat> the pastoral desire that, that I have is this, is that when we join together and next week, hopefully we can have some of our college students join with us. We got a bunch of them that live out of town. Good grief. But when we come together as the faith family here at ABC, that we would join together to be encouraged this Advent season that we would come together as a family to spur one another on to love and good works as we wait for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to come again. 
Because he said that he would, he will do everything that he says. The pastoral desire that I have is to really stretch our theological brains for us to come into this season and sit and savor God's word. One of the most convicting things to me about the Advent season is that Advent is really about waiting. And I'm just not a person who likes to wait. Like literally this morning, I did the thing that some of you have done. I've done it many times. I get to, I'm on kicker road and I get right there and then, you know, down, down comes, uh, I, I know that a train is about to, about to come through. I haven't even seen the train yet, but as I see it come, I go, no, nope, turn it around. I turn around and go the long way here, even though I know that it's going to take more time to do what I did. I just needed to be on the move, okay? And so I kept going. I'm, we're not people who like to wait. And here's the problem with that. Some of the greatest gifts that God will ever give us will be in our waiting, Some of the most fantastic ways that God reveals his grace and his presence and his goodness to us is while we sit waiting. And that's so hard for us, but that's what Advent teaches us to do, to sit and to savor. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at some scriptures that you know well, like most of you will know this text well. It is beautifully theological. It is intentionally Advent related, okay? Like this is, this is fantastic for us. This is the kind of content that you want as a preacher during the Advent season. But this is a text that if, if we're not careful, what we'll do is we'll hear it and then we'll seek to move on real quick before we get uncomfortable, before we have to really deal with what it means. And that's not what we want this year. That's not what God desires for us. We want to sit and we want to savor this. And so when we move into the text, when it starts getting hard and when it starts getting uncomfortable, instead of us moving on, let's lean in and let's do something even more wonderful than just leaning in. Listen to me, church. Look at me. Let's lean in together. Let's lean in together. The community of faith is a gift to us. Let's lean in together as we study the beautiful word of God. And so if you will go ahead and open up your Bibles with me to John chapter one. We're going to walk through this fairly slowly. We're we're actually gonna use every Sunday. So we have five Sundays this month. Only four of those are technically Advent, uh, but we're going to use the the five Sundays that we have. And we're also gonna have our Christmas Eve service be from this same text. And, and our, our focal verse is this. It's what we're gonna start with today. We wanna focus our attention on it. It's verse 14. And so I want you to look with me at John 1, verse 14. It says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Pray with me. Father, we ask that as we open up your word, Lord, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Lord, we believe that your word offers more to us than just good advice. That your word offers us good news. 
Your word offers us more than things that we are to go and do, but your word offers us the beautiful story of what you have come and done and what you're still to do for us, your people. And so God, I pray that as we open up this uh, this text today, that you would teach us about Christ, that we would look at him and that you would cause our hearts to beat faster and that you would allow our brains to be expanded, Lord, that we might comprehend with all of your people all around the world, with all of the saints, the height and the breadth and the depth, that we might consider and understand and lean into the love of God that's found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lord, transform the way that we view you, ourselves, others, and the whole world this Advent season as we study this beautiful text from your word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I've added a little bit to our outline and I've taken away a couple of things from our outline. But if you will, go ahead and open up your outline to there. We are going to begin, like I said there in verse 14, But the way that we're gonna break down verse 14 is this today. We're just gonna look at, it's got the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We wanna consider the word, the word. And so the way we're gonna do that is we're going to listen to what John teaches us from those first three verses of this chapter. I wanna remind you that John in the 20th chapter, he tells us his intent for all of the words that he wrote in the gospel of John or the gospel account of John. We're told in verse 30 of chapter 20, you don't have to turn there, but just listen closely. It says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. So basically there's a lot that I wrote about. There's a whole lot more that I didn't. Verse 31, but these are written, these words, these things that I have written, they were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. That we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John begins his account, not with a birth narrative, He doesn't tell us about what happened. He doesn't tell us about the wise men. He doesn't tell us about Mary and Joseph. He doesn't tell us about any of that. What he jumps to is an amazing theological uh, breakdown of who Jesus is. And it's helping to confirm in our hearts and to showcase who he is as the Messiah, the Son of God and the life. He's teaching us and showing us what we are to place our faith in, how we are to believe in him, what we're to believe in. And so we come to John and we hear that the word who's gonna be defined, that's clearly Jesus, that the word became flesh and he dwelt among us. And so look at your outline. I want you to see number one from John one is this, is that we learn that Jesus, the word, he is God that Jesus, the word, is God. This is Jesus Christ, the one who has come, the one who we're celebrating this Advent season and the one that we have our hope in coming again. John is gonna call him the word and he's going to define him in a particular way. And so I want us to hear the claims from John 1 about Jesus Christ, the word. 
Look at A there in your outline as we consider the biblical claims. The first is this, and this should blow our minds, is that John says, in the beginning was the word. So the word that we're told in verse 14 that became flesh, that's Jesus, that we're told here in verse one that in the beginning was the word. That means A, that he was there in the beginning. If we had nothing else today to discuss, that should stretch our brains. Because what we know from history and what we teach from history is that there was a night a little over 2000 years ago or a time over 2000 years ago when Jesus was born in the flesh. And so we know that there was a baby that was born and what John is telling us about this baby that was born, this human being, he's saying that that person was there in the very beginning. Now, what does he mean when he says the beginning? He's talking about the actual beginning, like Genesis one kind of beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He's saying the word was there in the beginning. Let's keep going. He says, and the word was with God. And so the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, that he was with God, God who created the heavens and the earth. He was with God. But then it says this, and he was God. That's crazy. That's mind blowing. To us outside, I mean, to anyone outside of Christianity and, and for us, if we were outside of the Holy Spirit of God, listen to me, that's crazy. Like John is writing that the word, that Jesus, the one that was born, that he was there in the beginning, that he was with God, but also he is God. He is God. Listen to this prayer of Jesus in John 17, five. You, you don't have to turn there, but, but, but listen to these words of Christ. He's praying to his father and he says, and now father, Glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Let that just hang out in your brains for a minute. Like before the world existed, they were present together. But the word of God doesn't just tell us that the word was present with God. It tells us the word is God. We're told here in these first couple of verses that Jesus Christ was there in the beginning, that he was with God, and that he is God. We're told next that through him all things were made. It, it, it says this, verse two, he was there, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. So I want you to think about this. In Genesis one, what happens in that beautiful telling of creation? It says that God created the heavens and the earth, but how did he create it? He did what? He spoke it. Let there be light, you know, let there be plants, let there be animals. He spoke it. And what does John teach us about this new kind of beginning, this new Genesis? as the kingdom comes on earth as is in heaven, as once again, God walks with man in this new Genesis. What does he tell us? He says that the word that was spoken in Genesis one is the word Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is the one that made all things. 
You may have friends, you may have a belief system yourself, you may have a neighbor, you may have heard that there are certainly people, and I respect you if you were here, there are people who believe that Jesus was created. He was the first person or the first thing that was created by God. And sometimes they even use the Bible to do that. I want you to know, John, I believe, is explicitly showing us something other than that. He's giving us something that helps prove to us from God's word that that's not what the Bible teaches about Jesus. We're taught that there was nothing that was made, nothing that Jesus himself did not make. That should expand our brain. That should make us sit and think. That should blow our minds. That he was there in the beginning, that he was with God, that he is God, and that through him all things were made. I wanna show you another verse in this passage. In John 1, verse 10, this is what God's word says. It says, he was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. We're told again, the world was made through Jesus. Colossians chapter one, I want you to hear these words. It says, the son is the image of the invisible God the firstborn over all creation. And that's the word I think that gets people, the firstborn. But that word does not mean that he was literally born first. It means that he's above all, that he's preeminent. That from him comes all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him, all things are for the word. That's what we're told through God's word. He's before all things and in him, all things hold together. We're also told in Hebrews chapter one, in the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at, the, at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, and that's like today, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory in the exact representation of his being. That's crazy. It's beautiful. It's amazing. And it's true. It's what God has told us about himself. So he was there in the beginning. He was with God. He is God. And through him, all things were made. We're not gonna go any further in those verses today because there's too much already to deal with. Okay, we'll start at verse four next week. But what we wanna see is this, is continuing with your outline there in point D, we want to consider these claims about the word. And then we want to understand that God's word is teaching us that though he is all of those things, he was born in the flesh. He became human, leading us to point number two. So point number one is Jesus, the word. He is God. But point number two, Jesus, the word, who is 100% God, he became 100% human. He became 100% human. And just so you know, he is still 100% human and he is still 100% God. He is still the mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. 
When he comes again, he will come as 100% God and 100% man. This is a beautiful truth that we need to uh, find rest in and that we need to cling to and we need to sit and savor. Jesus is a 100% God, but he's 100% man. And so the first thing I want us to consider here is this, is part A under number two. And it's this, is that in Christ's life, we see the clearest picture of what God is like. In Christ's life, we see the clearest picture of what God is like. Jesus is going to, more than any other way, explain God to us. More than any other way, Jesus will interpret God, his character and his heart to us. Jesus gives us the clearest viewpoint into God. And so if there's anybody here today and you are in this season of life that you're extremely skeptical about God, this Advent season, I would encourage you to sit and savor Jesus, to focus on Christ, to look at his life, to look at his behaviors, to listen to his words, to consider his actions and and to see if that affects your skepticism. Because what the Bible teaches us is that when we look at the person of Jesus, we are looking at God. That when we listen to the words of Jesus, we're listening to the words of God. That Jesus is able to show us clearer than any other word on a page what what God is like. And what I am not saying is this, is that we don't need to worry about the other words on the page. That's not what I'm saying. In fact, I'm saying that we need to sit and savor them all the more. But as we sit and savor God's word and particularly the Old Testament, and I love the Old Testament. As we sit and savor it, we need to look at it through Christ. We need to see Christ on every page. We need to understand like Jesus, the Jesus Storybook Bible tells us to do and, and to understand that every story whispers his name. That when we're able to see the Bible through the lens of who Christ is and what he's done and what he's still to do and who we are in him, it radically affects the way we ex- that the word is explained to us and then we interpret God's word. And honestly, that we're able to explain and interpret God himself. So helpful to look at Christ. <clears throat> in Christ's life, we see the clearest picture of what God is like. I, I was thinking about the time that God reveals himself to Moses on the mountain. He tells him that, you know, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord who's merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He forgives the iniquity and and transgressions and sin, but he will by no means clear the guilty. I, I want you to think about how special that is to have God's word before us, but think about how different it is when we interpret who God is through the life and death and resurrection of Christ is that now we see in the fullest way that we can how merciful God is as we look at Jesus. We wanna know how gracious he is. Look at Christ. We wanna know that he's slow to anger. He's dying on a cross and he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. We see one who not only forgives, he dies in our place for our forgiveness. 
When we look at Christ, we can finally understand the heart and the character of God. We can understand how he loves us and yet how he's just. We can understand how he punishes sin and yet forgives sinners because of Jesus. That's how we understand the fullness or we begin to understand the fullness of what it means to see God and to understand God and to know God as we see and savor Jesus Christ. Colossians 2 tells us, for in Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. Second Corinthians four, verse six tells us, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness. He made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory. How? Displayed in the face of Jesus Christ. Jesus, the word who is 100% God, he became 100% human. First thing we wanted to see is because we see in him the clearest picture of what God is like. He reveals to us, he is the revelation, the greatest revelation to us of who God is. But secondly, and I think this doesn't get talked about very much, so I want you to look at part B and we'll deal with this more throughout this month. But we see in Christ's life, the clearest picture of what humanity was always meant to be. Not only do we see in Christ what God is like, but we see in Christ what humanity was always meant to be. I think about the, the birth of Jesus and, and I think it's important theologically to talk about it, that he was born of a virgin. And, and I think sometimes we don't know how to discuss that with our friends or with other people. Romans chapter five does a beautiful job explaining uh, this to us or helping parallel something with us. We see in, in Christ, he is exactly, as far as his human form, like Adam was. Exactly like Adam was in his human form. He was without the seed of sin. He was without sin in his life. And when he was tempted, he did not sin. Adam was without sin in his life as, his, as he was created. But when he was tempted, he sinned. Jesus gives us the best picture of what humanity is like, what it was always meant to be. Jesus Christ and who he is, is also for us, his people. That's who we're becoming. We're becoming more like him. And so I've used the phrase before, and you may have heard me, uh, you may have heard me say this, is that, that we are not uh, today who we will finally be one day. Now there's a lot of things that we are in Christ that is permanent. We are safe, we are secure, we are his. Um, but you know as well as I do that there's things in our life today and in our bodies that we live in today that, that will not be how it, will, how it will always be. One day, thank goodness, one day we will be just like Christ in the way that he is in resurrected humanity today. One day we will be like him in that way. And we will be able to live without the mar of sin in our life. We will be able to live the life of humanity like Christ has like he has done for us. 
And so not only does he show us what God's like, but he, always, he also shows us the clearest picture of what it means to be human. See, when we see this, we understand more of what it means to follow Jesus, to live a life uh, of, of love. He shows us humanity, not in its marred form by sin, but he shows us what it means to live in the power of the Father's love and grace. So in Christ's life, we also see the clearest picture of what humanity was always meant to be. Thirdly, I want you to see, not only do we see Jesus, the word is, a, is God. Not only do we see that Jesus, the word is 100% God and he became 100% human. But we see that Jesus, the word, who's 100% God, he became 100% human and Advent celebrates that he is with us. He is with us. I wanna read for you some thoughts on this. Advent means revolution. Advent means miracle. Advent means that God has come for us. That the king of heaven, that he exchanged his throne for a cradle. That the almighty swaddled himself with vulnerability that the creator entered into his own creation, that the author, he put himself on the page, that the infinite became an infant and the giver became the gift. Jesus arrived, he came as Emmanuel, God with us. As Saint Augustine said long ago, he was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by hands that he formed. It's amazing. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about this Jesus. That's who he is as revealed by God's word. He's 100% God, he's 100% human. And church, he is with us. You may have so many questions this Christmas season. You may have so many questions about God and who he is and what he's like in his word. But what the Advent season teaches us and what God's word teaches us is though we may have a million questions, one thing we should not question is whether God cares. For the cradle led to the cross where the one that came and was born he lived and he died and he died for us. God's word tells us that God is for us. He's not against us. Well, how can we know this? Because we're told that God did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. We know a, that God, he's for us, he's never against us. Advent reminds us of that truth. We may have a million questions, but we shouldn't question whether God cares. We also know this, as we consider God with us, and that he was born in the flesh, that God became a human, and it's this, is that he knows us. God knows us, he knows what it's like to be human. 
And I don't know about you, but there has been many times in my life, even as a Christian, where I have somehow believed that he couldn't understand, that he had a distant way of viewing my life, a life in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. How could the God of the universe understand that? Listen, the God that created the universe was born in a little small town in the lowest of lives, in the lowest of villages, in the most humble of means. It is very possible that he was really born around animals. And from my privileged existence, I don't know if I can understand him, but from his privileged point, he walked away from it, became poor, so that we might become rich and that we may know him and love him and walk with him. God is for us and he knows us. He, he knows what it's like to be you. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you're going through. He knows where you are today and that's where he'll meet you. He's the greatest of all counselors. He not only knows us, but he understands us. Wherever you are today, wherever you are in your head, in your heart, in your life, God understands. He understands and he's able to sympathize with you. And I want you to know that God loves you. We know from the advent that God being with us, that he's for us, he knows us, he understands us. And God loves us. He loves us. I want you to imagine the time that in your life or the times in your life when you feel most loved, when you feel most cared for, when you feel most seen, when you feel or you felt most known, when you felt or you feel most understood or most loved. And understand that that moment, wherever it is, if it's with a, a family member or a friend or a spouse or a parent, wherever it is in that moment, understand that God, our Father, that God, our Lord, that Jesus, the Son, that the God of the Bible, that he is able to meet our needs more than anyone else and that every other time has been wonderful and good and a grace to our lives, but it just pointed us more into what Christ is like and what God is like in our lives. That he loves us more, that he cares for us more, that he sees for us more, that he knows us better, that he understands us more clearly, that he loves us most. Christmas and specifically the Advent season, it shows us and it reminds us that God cares, that he's with you. And so today, no matter where you are, I, I wanna encourage you to lean in to Christ. Today, if, if you come in the room and, and you are not a Christian, today you don't know where you are in the faith journey that you are in, I want you to know that the Lord is here today, that the Lord rescues today, that the Lord will be present with you today that it's not he might forgive you or he might be with you or he might love you. He does all of those things. He is not just willing, he also is able. 
And so it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter how far you believe that you have strayed. It doesn't matter how long you have waited. It doesn't matter any of those things. What matters is this, is that God is here and God loves you. Advent reminds us God is still with us and he is coming again. And so I wanna invite you to come to Christ today. If you don't know the Lord, I want you to know that that Jesus, the one that was born, that he lived and he died on a cross. And when he died, he died in the place of sinful humanity. That any of us that will look to his finished work on the cross, that we receive his righteousness and his goodness and his forgiveness, that we're welcomed into his family, That for all who did receive him, for all that will receive him, he gives the right to become his children, to become children of God. Not born of the flesh, but born of God. And so today, if you have never received Christ, receive him today. Come to him today. I'd love to lead you. But also today, if you're here and you are hurting, if you identified when we were talking about just the holidays not seeming like a happy time, but it's a hurtful time right now, it's an anxious time, it's a hard time, I wanna invite you to come for prayer. I wanna invite you to send an email or a text or call me this week, call a friend this week. Let somebody know, let somebody in on where you are. Let people surround you. If you feel lonely, let somebody welcome you into their family this week. And today, if, you just, if you're just in a place where you just say, man, I have not, I'm not sitting, I'm not savoring, I'm not looking, I'm not listening, I don't feel like I'm leaning in and I want to, I wanna be there. Then, then today, let that be your response. Not just an emotional moment where you say, I'm gonna lean in, but let it be something that starts today where you say, listen, I know that God's grace is over me and for me. I know that God is not casting me aside. He doesn't love me more because I lean in better this Advent season. He doesn't love me less when I neglected his word. But today he's inviting us into his joy. And so let's lean in together. Okay, I'm gonna pray And as I pray, we're gonna sing and prepare to take the Lord's table. Father, I thank you for your word today. I ask that you would use it to uh, really lead us to Christ, to help us to focus on him, on who he is and what he's like and who we are in him. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the way that you love us and thank you for that you're with us and you're for us, you're never against us. Thank you for that you do care. God, I pray for each one that's here today. May they believe that you're with them. May they believe that you're present. May they believe that they're seen and loved by you. Lord, thank you for your goodness towards us in in this life. God, I pray today as we prepare our hearts for the table, that, that you would really open our minds up to be able to see how much you care for us and what you've done. Uh, in Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be able to focus that way today. Use that to transform our hearts more into the glory of your Son, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.